Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's a busy morning. Amen. I was telling Pastor Kevin, I've never taught two services back to back before. So we'll see. He uh, goes and preaches at one of our sister churches in Deming, New Mexico, and they have two services all the time. Plus they have a Spanish service. So he has to uh, preach and use a translator. So, uh, so he's learned how to be skillful in that. Amen. But God is good. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, this morning at our church, uh, our daughter, who's 24, our daughter Anna, is preaching a sermon this morning. Amen? Uh, and she, uh, she helped me out last week because Pastor Kevin was in Deming. And so uh, we just had a prayer line, and I just believed that she was supposed to pray for people. So there's a whole lot of shaking going on. <laughs> At our church today, amen, they're almost, they're almost done, they're almost out, but uh, it, that's kind of a joke, a whole lot of shaking going on, because when the Holy Spirit comes upon her, she literally shakes. So, uh, so for, uh, I'm not trying to be mean, but we call her the vanilla shake at, at, at our house. Her brothers and sisters like to give her a, because man, you're going to get prayed from her, you go get, <laughs> you're going to get a shake, amen? Hallelujah. <laughs> Hopefully she doesn't go back and listen into this, but <laughs> amen. So we're going to have fun this morning. Yeah. How many of you are ready to have fun? Yeah. It's, it's not okay to just stay stiff in church, but we, we are who we are. Uh, we're anointed. God likes to have fun. Amen. And, but he also likes to uh, profit you. Amen. He likes to bless you. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. Hallelujah. So we're going to talk about this morning, knowing brings ability. Knowing brings ability. Hallelujah. Have you ever, uh, any husbands in here try to put furniture together without reading the instructions first? <laughs> I say husbands because usually the wives pull out the instructions first. <laughs> And want to try to read the instructions first, but all the husbands think they can do it without it, right? Or they can get to the destination without a map. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. So knowing brings ability. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles this morning to Proverbs chapter 29. Proverbs chapter 29. Proverbs chapter 29 in the King James Version. And verse 18 says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. Or where there is no revelation, the people perish. Where there is no understanding, the people perish. But he that keeps the law, happy is he. In the new living... In the same verse, chapter 18, it says, when people do not accept, when people do not accept right, right. divine guidance, they run wild. But whoever obeys the law is joyful. Amen? When people do not accept divine guidance or divine counsel, they run wild. That, why do you think there's so many teenagers in the world that run wild? 
because they don't like to accept guidance, right? Uh, I was thinking this morning when I was uh, praying about the message this morning, it brought me back to ninth grade. And uh, I'm actually 47 today. So so that's a long time ago. (laughs) So ninth grade, my mom let me try to, or my mom let me start wearing eyeliner. (laughs) And so uh, I'm pretty, I'm pretty fair. Let's just say that (laughs) I'm pretty fair. And I thought black was the best choice of the color for eyeliner because if I'm going to put eyeliner, I'm going to do it good. And I'm going to, you know, more the better, right? (laughs) Have you ever walked down the hall at a high school? The more acts, the better. Not really, but, you know, all these teenage boys covering up their sports smell with all this axe spray, right? I have a teenage boy in his room. It's stink and axe combined. (laughs) Amen? So I'm starting to wear eyeliner, and I'm thinking the more the better, right? So I'm about ready to get uh, my, my uh, yearbook picture done, and my mom is warning me, <laughs> Jennifer, like, lighten up, like, less is more, you know? And I'm like, you do not know anything. <laughs> like, you do not know what you're talking about today. And you know what it took? It took me getting my yearbook. You know, go back to the back, find out which page you're on. Because I graduated from a high school that had about, you know, there was about 1,200 of us freshmen, just freshmen. And uh, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. My mama was right. (laughs) It looks like I have two black eyes because more is not better. So knowing brings ability. Right? Until I saw that picture, I didn't realize that it is, uh, I have better ability if I lighten up on that eyeshadow, on that, on, on that eyeliner. Amen? So knowing brings ability. So here's the deal. And here's what we talked about this morning, too. The revelation that Pastor Gene has, the revelation that Pastor Shana has, is not your revelation. Come on. It is not your vision. So their vision cannot produce ability in your life. But your revelation, your vision produces ability in your life. So you can come every Sunday, every Wednesday, and you can listen to what they have to say. But until you get a vision and a revelation for your life, it will not produce ability. And how many of you know, in life, we're not supposed to be um, jack-of-all-trade, master of none. A lot of times in life, we're okay with that. We're okay that we can do a little bit, but we don't do anything great. But God's Word, He wants us to be skillful with it. He wants us to have ability with it. Because he wants us to hit the target 100% of the time. He doesn't want us to blindly go through life with no vision, with no purpose, with no passion, with nothing that we're good at, and always be dissatisfied with life. He wants us to be satisfied. The word of God satisfies us. 
He gives us life and life more abundantly. How many of you all can say this morning, including myself, I could use a little bit more abundant life? Amen? But it doesn't come without sacrifice. Pastor Kevin says at our church that salvation is the only free gift that will cost you everything. <laughs> Let me say that one more time. Salvation is the only free gift that will cost you everything. Because when you come up to the altar and you give your life to the Lord, it doesn't change you. It changes, let's say, it changes your destination. It changes your end destination. But it does not change your now by coming up and praying and going back to your seat. What changes your now is by coming up here and realizing that you can't change a thing until you start maturing yourself in the word, which is what begins starting saving your mind, your will, and your emotions. So you can be born again, and you can go to heaven, and you can experience hell on earth. But if you apply the written word, the life-giving power of God, it begins creating an ability. It begins creating vision. It begins creating, creating a new destination for your life. Because, see, I don't know how many times as a parent I have not known how, where to go, how to do something, how to help them, and all of a sudden, God gives me revelation. With this kid, you got to do this. Because believe me, I have four of them. Not a single one of them are alike. You know, you begin to have one kid, and you go, I got this down. I am doing good. And then the second one comes along, and you're like, What worked with them doesn't work with them. Hallelujah. My third one, you take her phone away? You, uh, uh, and what's even more than that, and, and uh, I don't know where Terrell is, but he'll know this because, uh, there you are. <laughs> because Emma loves sports. She loves sports. Basketball is her life. She can tell you, she's speaking a foreign language to me when she tells me all these tennis shoes. I'm like, they're called tennis shoes. <laughs> she has what, I can't even remember, forces right now. She has forces. And uh, air forces, evidently you can't crease your air forces. So she'd be walking around like, <laughs> I'm not joking, right? I'm not, <laughs> I'm not joking. I'm like, you're going to throw a hip out, trying not to, to crease your forces. <laughs> Evidently, there's even some plastic pieces you can put in there so you don't, you don't crease your forces. You don't crease your, you know, but she's been telling me all these names of these tennis shoes. I think she's speaking a foreign language because I have no idea. I have no idea where she even, maybe I can thank Pastor Jean for all of the, 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 the highfalutin things that she likes because, man, she can tell you every kind of car. <laughs> right? Cars just really aren't my thing, but she can tell you what car Pastor Jean drives. She can tell you what kind of car she wants to drive. And again, foreign language, foreign language. 
foreign language to me. But they're all different. But for her, if you take some things away from her, if you take sports, if you say, okay, you can't go to sports today because you were disrespectful, that's the end of her life. Zachary is the baby. Number one, he's uh, the only boy, but he's also the baby, so he's 13. So Zachary will keep pushing and pushing. And this kid is, I'm not, I'm not just saying it because I'm his parent, but he's sharp. And he also knows how to be sarcastic. So those two, those two things are not a good mix, right? Because if you're going to joke around with him and you're going to make fun about him, that's fine. But he's going to think about something that's going to cut you once, once he comes back, you know, he's going to be sharp and he's going to, but he just keeps pushing and pushing. And I'm like trying to warn him, hey, if you do this, I'm going to strip your room, man. Like tomorrow you're going to see your Xbox on Sierra Vista cells. <laughs> you know, I'm going to sit, you know, he keeps pushing and pushing. Finally, I say, go to your room, wait for me. He knows that means I'm getting the paddle off the wall. And there's something about him that he does not correct until the paddle meets his bottom and then his bottom meets his head. <laughs> but so different kids. So, you know, you have one and you think, I'm, I'm good. They're fed. <laughs> they have clean clothes on. <laughs> Their hair is done. They're looking good. And then all of a sudden they get these personalities. <laughs> and then all of a sudden they become teenager, preteens, teenagers. They grow up. Like we did youth ministry for about six years before we, did, uh, before we became pastors. And I never put the two together. These kids grow up. <laughs> Some of the issues I was dealing with as a youth pastor, I was going to be dealing with them personally behind closed doors in my own home. So we have to be able to gain ability. Because when something new is thrown your way, you've got to know how to navigate that. And God knows how to navigate everything. God knows how to navigate every personality. Because let me say, avoidance, <laughs> avoidance is not the answer to your issue. A lot of times, even in the body of Christ, you may be setting, you know, you may be looking good this morning, but you, you sat over here because somebody you don't like sat over there. And you think avoidance is the answer to your issue. But avoidance isn't the answer. Putting the cover over your head isn't the answer. Right, right. Ignoring a problem is not the answer. But having ability is the answer. Because where there is no vision, my people perish. Where there is no um, revelation, my people perish. People want to apply God's guidance and they want to pick and choose. God, I'll let you have this, but you ain't touching this. Right? People come to the altar ready to expose and get rid of it. And the whole time they're like, oh, don't you tell me. 
Don't you tell me not to be doing this. Right? And it limits and it puts God in a box on what he can do in your life. Amen? So people want to apply God's guidance to some areas of their life and not others. Let me say, when you got born again, your decision, it, it was displaying your commitment to have a sacrifice and put your whole life on the altar. Not just certain things. Not just certain things. And it reminds me of when Abraham took Isaac up the mountain. Right? Abraham fully knew all the way up the mountain that Isaac was the sacrifice that day. I guarantee you he was not telling Isaac that. Right? But the whole way they're, they're going up there, and I'm sure Isaac's like, Dad, 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 what are we doing? Dad, where's the sacrifice, Dad? What are we sacrificing today? I know you said we were going to go make a sacrifice. Where's the sacrifice, Dad? Just like when your kid's like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? So they're making this whole journey. And Abraham was willing to lay down it all. Abraham was willing to lay down the one and only thing that he believed God for. His one and only son. I guarantee you I would have a problem if the boy that I waited 11 years for, come on somebody, was the sacrifice that God told me to give. But the whole time Abraham... God, I got you. God, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. I will sacrifice whatever you tell me to sacrifice. I will give up whatever you tell me to give up. And the whole way he's going, guaranteed Abraham did not know there was going to be a ram in the thicket. Guaranteed Abraham was going by faith up the mountain. And even just saying, hey, Lord, even if I have to sacrifice my one and only son, I know you are the God that brings back life again. I know that you are the God that restores everything. So somehow, some way, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to believe that I'm going to go back this mountain with my son, even though you told me to do this. So trusting the whole way. And all of a sudden, he gets up there. He's putting Isaac on the sacrifice. He's about ready to do it, and all of a sudden, an angel, there's a ram in the thicket. Get your son off there and make the true sacrifice. That's the kind of commitment that God wants us to go to the altar with, is the fact that we are going to go and we are going to give him everything. We are going to give him everything. We are going to sacrifice everything, man. He doesn't want you to leave him out of any part of your life. But he wants to be a part of everything. Amen? Amen. People want to only apply it to some areas. But where you do not apply vision, that area perishes. You know, there's a lot of times that Pastor Kevin does marital counseling. And the two areas they don't want to talk about is finances and sex. And guess the two areas that perish. The two areas that they're unwilling to talk about. And then guess what happens when you come back into marital counseling later? 
you having problems with those areas because you were unwilling to sacrifice that. You were unwilling to divulge. You were unwilling to be open. There's a lot of things that we as the church don't talk about, and those are exactly the areas that people struggle in, that people have problems in. And so we as the church have to be, whatever you deal with in life needs to be talked about in the local church. Because out in the world, you're talking about it, but life isn't applied to it. But when you talk about those things in the local church, it applies life to those areas. It, it applies ability to those areas. And so we have to be willing to talk about some things. So bravo to your pastors who are talking about the elephant in the bedroom. The secret quiet things that nobody wants to talk about. Because it's happening. People just don't want to talk about it. Amen? So divine guidance is what brings you supernatural ability. See, Jesus had supernatural ability to have signs and wonders everywhere he went teaching and preaching the word because he had vision. He put God first. He had divine guidance. Where was he when he was a kid? In, in church. When they went home and were, where's Jesus? Where'd he go? Oh, he was still in church. You should have known I was still at church. Right? That was his commitment. So what is your commitment this morning to gain ability? Because what we talked about this morning, being a hearer and not a doer, happens all the time. And when you're a hearer and not a doer, you don't gain any ability. And we need ability to go through our lives. Amen? So divine guidance produces supernatural ability. It's abiding in the vine. God tells you in the word that he is the vine, you are the branches. Where's the life source? The life source is in the vine. So you got to be connected to the vine. you got to be hungering and thirsting. you got to have a desire to seek God first before you go and seek the opinion of your friend. Hallelujah. I don't know how many people who get confused about what God's telling them to do in their lives because they seek out ungodly counsel before they seek godly counsel. Because I don't want my pastor to know what I'm doing. They ought to be know what you're doing. Amen. 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 <laughs> Hallelujah. I've changed up, sometimes I've changed up the way that I pastor because I realize I may be a lot younger than a lot of the people who are in my congregation, but God has given me the ability to shepherd them, which means if I can parent my children, I'm also a parent and a shepherd to each person in the congregation. So things have been starting to change, and the way that I talk to people has begun to change. And sometimes I have to step back later and laugh. Like, did I really just, did I really just say that? But I was having a conversation with Pastor Kevin the other day because we have a, a gentleman that had been in our church a long time ago, and he has just chosen... And 
and everybody has a choice, but he's chosen to live a, a transient lifestyle. So he doesn't have a home, and he just goes from place to place. And, um, you know, there's been times when he's been super close to God, and then there's been times when he hasn't been as close to God. Well, he has a hunger and a thirst right now for the word. So he calls me in the office the other day, and I'm sure he was hoping I was not there after we had the conversation. <laughs> but he tells me, Pastor Jennifer, I just really believe that God is telling me, because he has children in the city that we live in, God is really telling me to move back to Sierra Vista to get a home, to get a haircut, to get cleaned up, to have a shower, to get a job, and to be a parent to my kids. And he begins to say that he uh, asked God to give him a confirmation about whether that was him or not. And so he says, so I'm calling you to see if that's a confirmation or not. And I said, well, I said, has God been faithful to you? He says, yeah. I said, has God been a good father to you? Yeah. Has he met all your needs? Yeah. Has he given you direction? Yeah. Well, wouldn't God want you to be that same kind of father to your children? And you could hear the air go out <laughs> on the other end of the phone. Amen? And I said, and besides that, his, his youngest daughter, I said, besides that, didn't she tell you that she needed you? I said, to me, that's all the confirmation you need. If God is a good father to you, you need to be a good father. If God is faithful to you, you need to be faithful to those kids. That is all you need to know. And so we need to begin to get ability. We need to begin to get skillful. Because what happens when we gain ability and we gain skill, we don't have to come to the church ashamed anymore. We don't have to come to the church afraid that when we go up front, somebody's going to call out what we've been doing. Come on. Y'all know you've been there before. When I was a teenager, somebody called me out. Oh, God, please, please do not tell them what <laughs> Do not tell them what music I've been listening to. You know, all those kind of things. We get that way because we know we're trying to keep secrets. And so when we become skillful and we get ability, it's only because we've been in his word, but it allows us to be transparent. It allows us to be unashamed. It allows us to be free of guilt. It allows us to abide in the vine. Amen? So the garden is a great example of this. Go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 2. Man, time is fine. <laughs> Genesis chapter 2, verse 25. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. They felt no shame when they were walking in divine guidance. You have nothing to be fearful of. You have nothing to be ashamed of when you're allowing God to lead you and guide you. Where you get in trouble is when you want to do things on your own. 
when you want to learn by the school of hard knocks. That's what somebody said. I just need to learn it on my own. Why can't you learn it by somebody else's mistakes? Why can't you learn it by somebody else's testimony? Why do you have to put yourself through that? God did not um, intend for you to learn by making mistake after mistake, by getting broken and broken again and broken again and broken again. So that you have to go through a whole lot of hell before you can have heaven. He did not intend you to have that. He intended you to live in his divine guidance. Amen. If you go to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6 and 7. In the New Living, verse 6, the woman was convinced. She was convinced that what she was about to do was going to be better than what God said he had for them. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. The enemy lied to her to take away what was rightfully hers. He tried to deceive her that she knew better. She knew better than what God had already provided. And he was trying to rip her off. Come on, guys. How many times have we been ripped off of God's blessing? Because we didn't want to wait and do it God's way. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. And at that moment, and at that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. So here Adam and Eve are going into reverse. They're in divine guidance all the way, and all of a sudden they choose to let that go for their own ability. They don't even know what that's going to lead them into. Sometimes we make decisions out of God's, out of God's will that we don't even know where that's going to take us to. Come on, somebody. Uh, women all over this world, because they're single and because they're lonely, they're not alone because God never leaves them nor forsakes them, but they're single and they're lonely. So by going by their feeling, they give up God's best and they overlook ungodly character so that they can have someone. Just because you have someone next to you doesn't take away loneliness you can have a warm body next to you and still be as lone as you were before they were there so you better be looking for God's guidance because natural wisdom will trick you over and over and over again See, the lie of the enemy is that you're missing something. I need to experience some things because I'm missing something, especially if you were born into the church, so to speak. You've been in the church forever, and you're a teenager. The enemy will lie and say, I'm different. You're different. 
you don't fit in, just go ahead and do these few things so you can feel like you fit. When the people who really don't fit are the people who are not born again. Because when this whole thing is over, you need to know where your destination is. But he will twist it. Just like he twisted her to convince her in the garden that she was missing out on something. And if she took the fruit, she would get everything that she always wanted. The devil is trying to trick you and deceive you to try to take your inheritance away from you and give you something that is cheap and unfulfilling. Amen? So you don't need to go by your natural wisdom or by your natural eyes. Their natural eyes were opened and it cut off God's guidance. See, what happens when people choose to sin? Because when you're born again, you choose to sin. You don't accidentally slip into sin. Right? You choose to sin. And when you choose to sin, it muffles the voice of God. It muffles the voice of the Holy Spirit. All of a sudden, where you would have a check before, you don't have a check anymore. I remember one, one time in high school, um, so I had this rule uh, when I would um, date somebody, I wouldn't date anybody who wasn't a Christian. And I wouldn't date anybody who didn't go to church. What I didn't know is some of the guys in church were worse than some of the guys <laughs> who didn't know God, right? So one time out of all my four years of high school, I went to this party with this kid named Thad. If you know anything about the Bible, his real name was Thaddeus, but his name was Thad. And all the girls thought that Thad was it right? And so, but he went to my church. His mom went to my church. And um, so I had these standards. Mind you, I knew the reputation that Thad had, but I had standards. But somehow I had talked to myself about, well, as long as he goes to church, that's all that matters. Doesn't matter how he acts. Doesn't matter what he does. So I'm at this party and I end up kind of just sitting in the corner by myself and the whole time I cannot enjoy myself because the whole time it's a square and a round peg. The whole time it's like, what am I doing here? I don't fit here. This is not me. I'm trying to be somebody that I'm not intended to be. At that moment, I had a choice to be able to get out of there or I had a choice to be able to override that and then the next day, go somewhere else with him and override that. And then the next day, override that again to where all of a sudden, I'm not feeling uncomfortable in that place anymore, but I just slid right in and I just fit right in with them. I did not choose to do that. I said, hey, can we get out of here? I don't belong here. I don't belong here, amen? So there were some things that were in my life that gave me ability to see that I did not fit. 
that sin did not fit on me. But you have to make sure that you don't override those unctions. You don't override the Holy Spirit saying, "Uh uh-uh, this is wrong. This is not right. Amen. You have to operate in the supernatural to have that ability. Amen. Suddenly they felt shame of their nakedness where they had never seen it before. Go ahead and turn to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. And this just applies to everything in your life. You have to have godly guidance. You have to have vision, which produces ability. Verse 20 says, My child, pay attention to what I say, the new living. Listen carefully to my words. Pay attention. That means you have the opportunity to overlook. You have the opportunity to override. You have the opportunity to ignore. Come on, somebody. You have the opportunity to ignore or to pay attention. At my church, sometimes, or I used to have a bad, bad rap because uh, it's just I've been trained by the best. So I can tell you, oh, there's something on the floor right there. And everybody will walk over it, will walk past it, will walk by it, and I'll go and pick that up. And you know what people call that today? Anal. <laughs> but it's excellent. Amen? So you got to pay attention. If your eyes aren't open, you can't pay attention. If your attitude is bad, you won't pay attention. Come on, you can sit in those seats and you can hear life, 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 and you cannot pay attention. Listen carefully to my words, all of my words. Don't get offended at something and then don't hear past that word. Because sometimes people shut you off immediately when they don't hear you. And sometimes you've shut off and you didn't hear the full thought. So you're offended and nothing offensive was even said, but you're unwilling to hear the whole thought. Amen? So listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them, and healing to their whole body. So if you're not listening, if you're not letting it penetrate, if you're not paying attention, it won't bring life to you. Verse 23, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. And we can stop right here and have a whole service on guarding your heart, for it determines the course I said the course, the direction of your life. I can give you testimony and testimony after how my family, my family, all my cousins had a rough life. Alcohol, drugs, jail, stealing from their mother. 
The only difference between my cousins and my side of the family is that my parents found God. They got divorced. Two years later, they got remarried to each other. Not to somebody else, but to each other. However, I was a pretty mouthy teenager. I know you can't tell it by now, but I was a pretty, I was a pretty mouthy teenager, so my mom wouldn't have been able to keep a guy if, if she wanted to. Because if, you ain't, if you're not my dad, you can't stay. <laughs> That's the way I felt about it. Amen. How much time do we have? Have I gone 40 minutes? I think so. <laughs> um, I, just a short story. There, my, my mom was trying to date a guy when my uh, parents were divorced, and uh, my brother was still small enough that he needed to be taken to the restroom. So my mom went and took him to the restroom, and I thought this was the perfect time <laughs> for me to get rid of the guy. Right? So um, I just had noticed, and I still remember, his name was George, and George always had these really big, really white teeth. And so I just like, that's not normal. Like, that's, that's not natural. So my mom went to take my brother to the bathroom, and I said, okay, George, so um, can you just tell me the story about your teeth? Because we all know that they are not your own. <laughs> so he just got hugely embarrassed. And my didn't know what to say. My mom came back. My mom came back. She knew something happened. <laughs> she didn't know what, but she knew something major must have happened. And she knew that it probably had come out of my mouth. So uh, later on that day, she uh, later on that evening, she explains to me that George was in Vietnam, and his teeth had gotten knocked out in the war, and so he had false teeth. However, I was not in a place. You know, that didn't matter to me. As long as George wasn't coming back, we were good. But my parents got remarried, and they decided that the only way that they could have the ability, come on, somebody, the only way that they could have ability to make it work the second time around was to put God first and to seek his divine direction. So needless to say, over time, it even worked at my <laughs> troubling teen heart. <laughs> because there's lots of things to override. People don't realize this. I mean, me even as just being a, a rebellious teenager with my mouth, when we started going to church, I had this deal where I didn't want to let them know that it was working. Somehow I was embarrassed about letting my parents know that I, I was loving God. And I was not, you know, so back, this is going to date me a little bit, but back when I was going to church, they, you had a tambourine and you had ribbons <laughs> on that tambourine and these ladies would go up and down the aisle with this tambourine praising the Lord. And I was telling my mom, I want a tambourine. And she's like, you ain't going to get a tambourine. You can't even clap. You can't even raise your hands. You can't even sit all the way up in your chair. Your head is on the back of your chair and your feet are out like... She was so embarrassed to bring me to church every time. And I would say, every time I would say, I have homework. I can't go. I have homework. She was like, bring it with you. 
And she just had to go through the embarrassment of me walking in. <laughs> me being rude to my youth pastor. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the, the word began to work. But see, there was this young man that would sit in the front row, and he worshiped God with everything that was in him. He was raising his hands as high as they would possibly go. He was out on the floor weeping. And I made a commitment that day, okay, if I'm going to do that, I'm going to do it like that. I'm not going to do it like all these adults in here. I'm not going to half, half raise my hands. I'm going to go all or none. And that's where you get his ability, amen? Verse 25 says, look straight ahead. Fix your eyes on what lies before. Mark out a straight path for your feet. How do you mark out a straight path for your feet? You trust in the Lord with all your heart. You lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, you acknowledge him, and he directs your path. See, if I wouldn't have had a family when I went to Rama Bible College, I was at Rama Bible College and didn't know the word. I couldn't tell you what scripture was what. But I lived with a family that made us recite a scripture every time we sat down and ate our dinner. And I hated it. <laughs> because that meant I had to get in the word that day and I had to memorize a scripture before I could eat my dinner. But the scripture that I just recited to you is Proverbs 3, verse 4, 5, and 6. And that was the very first scripture I ever memorized to confess over my food. <laughs> so the word works. When we work the word, and we may not even like it in the beginning. Amen? Make out a straight path for your feet. Stay safe on the path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Don't lose sight of my words. Let them penetrate. Hallelujah. We have to put an importance on the word to lead us, to guide us. Because if we don't, we'll go right into wanting to speed things up. When you are single, you are on a mission. <laughs> Everywhere you go, you're on a mission. Oh, he's single? Oh, she's single. You're on a mission. You could easily make something work that is not supposed to work. You could easily find something that is not a blessing of the Lord. The word says that he who finds a wife finds a good thing. But if you're not looking in the right place or have the right... Um, the right ideas of what that is for you, you could find a bad thing. One that's not going to lead you into the promised land. So you need to make sure that you don't try to get ahead of God. Amen? When I was in high school, I didn't date very many people because my mom was not going to like very many people. <laughs> Every time I brought them home, nope, nope. Nope. Mind you, they're all church people. Nope. Nope. So I begin to uh, hang out with this one guy because I think that they're going to like him. But he's older than me. 
And he's also a youth worker, and I'm a youth right there. Should have been a nope. But for whatever reason, I thought, yeah, that was a good idea. <laughs> and let me say, I forgo a lot of things. I didn't think he was cute. <laughs> I liked his mom and dad. Um, I didn't really think he was funny or anything like that. So I was just thinking, my mom is going to like him because he goes to church, because he's a responsible adult, because he's a PE teacher at a high school. I'm a senior. <laughs> Not at the same high school, but, you know, but still, still. I want you to pick out what's wrong in this story, because when it's somebody else, you can easily pick out what's wrong in the story. But when it's with, when it's with you, you have a mask over your eyes. <laughs> and so I began to, to try to date him. Well, then my mom said no. I mean, this had went on for a little while. Finally, she was like, okay, you're going to spend two weeks without any communication with this guy, and after two weeks, we'll see. If you just say, after two weeks, um, if you just can't live without him, then we'll talk about it. And so, I mean, mind you, I did not have a cell phone, because this was a long time ago. <laughs> so you could not write notes to each other. <laughs> you could not talk to each other at church. You could not meet up with each other outside of church. You know, you, you could not try to have communication. I want you to cut off all communication. So by the, two in, the end of the two weeks, I was like, Bobby? Bobby who? Because he wasn't the right one for me. But if I would have dug my heels in and said, I don't care what you say. I have a car. He has a car. We're at a meetup. You know, if I would have dug my heels in, but I honored what my parents had said to me, and then I realized that that wasn't the right person for me. I literally even had my youth pastor calling me and saying, Jennifer, Bobby's here. He's crying in my office. He doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know why you won't, you know, talk to him anymore. And I'm like, Pastor Kent, I don't care. Because at that point, I had removed myself enough to where I gained some ability, and I also gained some vision and some purpose for my life, and I realized he wasn't the one. But I had to separate myself, and not just separate myself, but immerse myself into the presence of God. So you have to do some things to get yourself out of the situation you were in before and get you into a better situation. You can't expect to have different results and do the same thing. And so I went off to Ramah, and he thought that since I went off to Ramah, he would go to Ramah. Devil sly, y'all. And he thought that if I was at Ramah and my parents were four hours away, then he could just slip in back again. So we're at this. We had just taken all our midterms at Ramah, all our tests, and they had like these late skates. So they had a skating rink. <laughs> so we're going roller skating. And he comes up to me and he's like, let's just forget the past and let's just skate. <laughs> 
which I thought was the most ridiculous line ever given by a man. And I said, let's just not. <laughs> and then he says, well, I'm going to ask your best friend, Katie, then. I said, go ask my best friend, Katie. Needless to say, that was the same late skate that I had noticed that this one over here was watching, was watching me from afar. And then at this late skate, he shows up with another girl. <laughs> he didn't like that girl, but that girl was, was uh, stalking him. <laughs> so then I thought, oh, he's a player too, because he's been looking at me, wanting to meet me, and now he's here with another girl. So he had to explain to me the whole situation. So he's, he's not a bad guy. He was not there with another girl, <laughs> but she was stalking him, now that I embarrassed you. <laughs> but God had to get me into a place where I separated myself, because I graduated in May, went to school in September, and met Pastor Kevin in October. Had I not gotten away and separated myself and seen some things and gained some ability, I wouldn't have even saw the God opportunity. It could have walked right past me and I wouldn't have known it. So it's important to get in the word and have ability because when God's blessing shows up, you could look at it in the face and not even realize that that's God's blessing before you. Amen? So don't lose sight of his word. In every area of your life, don't push things forward. And we're just going to end with, um, with Esau here. Go ahead and turn in your word to Genesis chapter 25. Genesis chapter 25. Because this is what so many of us do in so many different areas of our life, even financial. Genesis chapter 25 Verse 27, and it says, this is Jacob, Jacob and Esau. As the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter. He was an outdoorsman, but Jacob had a quiet temperament, preferring to stay at home. Isaac loved Esau because he enjoyed eating the wild game Esau brought home, but Rebekah loved Jacob. And one day, when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau arrived home from the wilderness exhausted and hungry. In the New King James, it says, weary. Esau said to Jacob, I'm starving. I'm starved. Give me some of that red stew. This is how Esau got his other name, Edom, which means red. All right, Jacob replied, but trade me your birthright as the firstborn son. Look, I'm dying of starvation. He went out one day, had one day of hard work, missed lunch, and he's starving. Come on, give it to me right now. I'm, look, I'm dying of starvation, said Esau. What good is my birthright to me now? I need food. What good is my birthright going to do to me if I need to eat a meal? He is obviously not thinking right. 
But Jacob said, first you must swear that your birthright is mine. So Esau swore an oath, thereby selling all his rights as the firstborn to his brother Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and lentil stew. Esau ate the meal and then got up and left, and he showed contempt for his rights as the firstborn. In the New King James, it says he hated his birthright after that point. Why? Because in a momentary lapse of judgment, what his mind, will, and emotions wanted at that very moment, what his body was screaming for at that very moment, he gave up everything that belonged to him, every promise, every blessing as the firstborn. Christians do it every day. You have a blessing, you have a call, you have a purpose, you have a plan, and you give it up for one momentary lapse of judgment or one momentary minute of pleasure, and you don't realize the things that come in with fornication or adultery. You don't realize the hurt and the pain and the shame and the guilt that you have to get over before you can get right again. Before you can even interact with others again the right way. Because for a moment, what you felt like for a moment made you make a decision that you regretted the rest of your life. Amen. Esau was at a weak point. He was at a weak point. That's why when you're single, you have to watch yourself. You have to protect yourself. Because you will make decisions or you will get talked into making a decision. You know, that, now there's some things that I talk to my girls about. Because, you know what, if you find somebody that you really like, you're going to have to sit on your hands to be able to keep it right. That's right. <laughs> You're going to have to be in a public place. That if you can't keep your hands to yourself, you have not found the right person yet. <laughs> but that loves Jesus with all their heart. That's not, you know, that's a non-negotiable. Loving Jesus with all their heart. Amen. But you should be attracted to them as well. But then you've got to use your mind. You've got to use your sharps. You've got to use your ability. You don't stay with somebody alone. You go out to a public place because you're not going to do things in a public place that you would do in a private place. You don't go alone in a car together. Come on, there's some natural things you can do to keep yourself in check. If you go shopping and you don't have the money to go shopping, leave your wallet at home and just use your eyes. Right? Because you're going to talk yourself into buying something. You're going to figure it out. Maybe you've committed to never use your credit cards again, but you've got to figure it out. For Emma, if she finds new forces, she's got to figure it out. Mom, I'll pay you back for the next three years. Right? So you have two choices in life. Let go of God's best for something temporary that the newness wears off. I've never bought a car that changed my life. I've never bought a dress that changed my life. 
that made me feel good about myself. Always. Right? It gives you a temporary satisfaction. But there are things that give you a permanent satisfaction, and those things are called the will and the purpose and the plan of God. And when you're right, you're right, and you feel good, and you feel unashamed, and you don't feel guilt, and you don't feel hurt, and you don't feel pain. So you need to be that way. Amen? Just real quick, we're not going to go there, but in Luke chapter 10, verse 38, Mary and Martha, the story of Mary and Martha, Mary immediately asks Jesus to come into his house, her house, and she immediately sits down at his feet. I don't care what my house looks like. <laughs> I don't care about anything, but the teacher is here. How do you come in this place on a Sunday morning or on a Wednesday night? I don't care about how I feel, but Jesus is here. I don't care about what my week looked like, but Jesus is here. I don't care what I need in my life, but Jesus is here. We need to be that way with the word. I don't care what I'm feeling, but I'm going to get in this word, and I'm going to see what it tells me to do, and I'm going to hear what it tells me to do, and I'm going to stand on it. Amen. Amen. Amen? Don't be like Mary where, where in, or I mean Martha, where in the midst of the presence of the Lord, you're preoccupied. You're distracted. Don't get distracted by the things of this world. If you're single, don't get distracted by somebody who comes along your path that you like the way they look. Because it's what they act like and who they are that you got to live with forever. Not what they look like. And looks fade. Looks change. Amen? So if you want to be better at everything that God brings into your life, you got to sit at the feet of Jesus. you got to focus on him. you got to soak in his word. So in learning to uh, who is your spouse, you got to sit at the feet of Jesus. To learn how to care for your spouse, how to be a good wife or a good husband, you got to wait at the feet of Jesus. To learn how to be a good parent, a great parent, you got to sit at the feet of Jesus. You're going to get frustrated by going to everything else but the presence of God, the Word of God. If you want to become a good friend, you got to sit at the feet of Jesus. Do not sell your blessing for temporary satisfaction. Hallelujah. When you step out of being in him and in his word, you also step out of his ability. Successful relationships take his ability. Knowing his word brings ability. The only thing that brings God's ability in your life is this word. Trust in his ability, not your own. Trust his judgment, not your own. Because sometimes God will tell you and lead you to do something that you don't want to do. That you don't like or you don't think is right or you don't understand. But there is a purpose to the plan. And so you have to be able to be willing and obedient. 
You have to be able to listen even if you don't hear what you want to hear. Amen? Because his ability, it comes with knowing who he is. It comes with knowing his word. It doesn't come separate from that. Amen? Why don't y'all stand this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Jesus, that you are good. We thank you that you are more than enough. We thank you that you are high and lifted up. And the train of your robe fills this temple. Father, we thank you that we can wait and we can sit at your feet. We thank you that we can honor you in everything that we say and everything that we do. Hallelujah. If you're here this morning and you just feel like you have missed it somehow and you have not gotten into his word the way that you feel that you needed to get in his word, but it has caused some brokenness in your life. It's caused you some pain that you can't seem to shake or you can't seem to get rid of. If that's you this morning, just go ahead and come up to the altar this morning. Hallelujah.